I'm Nick Flaherty. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Welcome to the Two Reed Pile, where Whoa. Jason and I tackle whatever else we have lying around. Movies, television, comics, whatever. Amazon affiliate links are below. If you have are in a comic book desert or can't seem to find whatever it is we're talking about, you can click those links. It helps out the podcast, but always go to your local comic shop. Yes. Also, this show is on YouTube. If you like a little bit of art, check it out. I sprinkle a little bit of art. Sometimes covers, sometimes a little bit more. Uh, check it out on youtube.com slash Nick Phil. Jason, what are you pulling off the two read pile? It's a book book. It's an actual book. I huh. uh, read uh, Amnesia Moon, Amnesia Moon by uh, Jonathan Lethem. It was just a book that I had picked up at uh, a while back um, at our local, at the wonderful local used bookstore that we have here in this part of Connecticut called the Book Barn. Uh, in A great lovely, spot, by the way. Yeah, in lovely Niantic, Connecticut. They actually have a few locations. If you're anywhere at all near yep. the area or ever going to be in the area, go to the Book Barn. Go, go to your local used bookstore as well. After you go to your local comic book store, go to your local used bookstore. They're fantastic places. I picked this yeah. nice hardcover book up for four bucks. Nice, nice. Uh, the Book Barn downtown has comic books and uh i went there with my brother and like kind of like uh was like going through some stuff and uh picking some stuff out and i remember my brother being like so are you gonna read all those and i was like okay so these are not these are part of a storyline that i only have three four and six of so i'm not reading these yet and i'm i'm picking up these so that I can, when I find the rest of it down the line, and I'm almost done with this set, and I can finally read it then. And he's like, "What are you doing? What yeah. are you doing?" And 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 hey, you know what? And I'm and I'm here to say that do not feel no, no one, no one listening to this, don't feel any kind of shame over buying a pile of books and never reading them. It is more <laughs> than okay. You're never gonna read every book anyway. You're never gonna read every book you want to read. So anyway. the last time I was at the book barn, I, I know we're, it is a little bit of a tangent and I'm, I'm no, cutting no. into your time here. No, no, but, no, no. Uh, Talk up the I, book barn, man. I was flipping through the uh, uh, used comics. They had like a small section. It was basically unorganized, just like threw a bunch of comics into some bins, you know, and I was going through it and uh, I was expecting stuff from like the last 10 years kind of thing, just like whatever comic shops were like liquidating, they couldn't, they couldn't sell whatever, but yeah. there was a lot of stuff in there. There was like vintage Valiant stuff. Like someone dropped a collection of like nineties Valiant stuff oh. into the book barn. And I was like, if I was collecting this stuff, I would be in heaven. I would just scooped all this up, but like, I don't even know what I'm looking at. So I was like, ah, whatever. It's fine. I'll leave it there for somebody else. Oh, early, early nineties. Jason loved solar man of the atom. Mm hmm. Oh, give me a cosmic superhero, man. Some Shit. of that was in there for sure. Shit. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Amnesia moon by Jonathan Lethem. It's a sci-fi book. Uh, it's really, really uh, well done. It's really uh, snappy. Yeah. So like you're like thrown right into uh, this like post-apocalyptic world, like somewhere in Wyoming. It's like where the story starts, and you very quickly you train in on this main character who goes by the name of Chaos because like you know it's just this like desolate wasteland in, in Wyoming, and some apocalypse happened, and this guy just this guy Chaos just like. He just lives in an old abandoned movie theater and like gets drunk off of like, you know, uh, post-apocalypse grain alcohol. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and he's just, you know, he's just like kind of trying to make it through and, uh, and it, it's, it's very, it's too much to go into to like what, like certain things that transpires, but like to keep it short, like there, there are dreams that have effects on reality you know, that have hmm. actual effects on reality. And what's really cool I found about this book is not only are you just dropped in in media res like that, but like you're also um, 
Um, there's no one, no one can remember uh, what caused the apocalypse. Like most people can't even remember their names before the, the apocalypse or like the, their lives. You know, sure. they just like, they just only remember waking up one day and everything being different and they're already an adult, but like they don't remember their past. They don't like, you know, and so it, it starts to, uh, and then it just like kind of turns into a road trip where the main character chaos meets with this, uh, other character who's this, uh, young teenage girl who's covered in fur. <laughs> she's just <laughs> some, some sort of mutant, you know, some of something, but she's also like totally okay with it. Like within yeah. the, with, yeah, within the book, there's like never a time where she's like ashamed of like, you know, like they'll go to different towns and like people will like start to notice her. And she's just like, yep, what's up? It's like, she, it's never described as her like being shamed of being this like furry, like 13 year old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, which, which I thought was great. And this book was written in like 95 or 96, I think. Um, and so like all sci-fi books of that era, of course, uh, it has to end up in like San Francisco <laughs> for a time. Is that, is that, a sci-fi thing from the 90s? I didn't know that. Well, the, there were just like a lot of like sci-fi writers that ended up sort of in Silicon Valley or were already like from there, you know. So like, Oh, okay. That know, makes sense. Just, yeah, like sort of like lived around there. Like in in Star Trek, like, you know, the Federation home base is in San Francisco. Right. right. You know. Yeah. Um but uh but the story gets a bit weirder and like they end up so like they start discovering these other places when they go on a road trip, this road trip that are also post-apocalyptic but like in wildly different ways like this town they end up in this town that the entire um so they left a place where it looked like a nuclear bomb dropped you know and then they happen upon this town that's an entire society that's based around luck like they 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 measure your luck in the society and like that determines certain privileges you can or can't have and every citizen has like a citation book and if you act out of order you get written a citation and you have to move once a week and there is television and electricity and plenty of food except the only thing on the television are shows starring government stars who are the (laughs) who are by science because they have science apparently it's never explained by yeah. science are the luckiest there and therefore the best of society. And that's why hmm. they're in the government, you know? Um, and it, it just, it, it gets even, believe it or not, kind of gets even weirder. Um, and it would, I think it would take too long. And I didn't write like a real, real synopsis of this. So uh, to get into it, but it does like bring up what, what I really dug about it and what really like um, kept me like, reading and turning the page like i finished the book pretty quickly and it's it's a nice smooth easy read too so you know if anyone's thinking of picking it up if you haven't uh picked up a a, a book book in a while i think this would yeah. be a good thing to pick up you know it's not very dense uh the the style is quick and everything's like yeah. nice and 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 tight uh but it it does um to me it made me start thinking about um what it says about uh, what makes up who we are and identity and memory and how shaky that can be, you know, it's like, it's like, what, what good are memories? Like if memories make, make up who we are or a lot of who we are, like, what, what does it matter if we can't remember them? Or, you know, like, does that mean that you're still not the same person and not responsible for those actions? If you literally have nothing in your head of what you fit, you know, used to, be you know or is there is there actually some sort of like baseline you that no matter what is always there like all that like i just i just love that kind of shit and and it doesn't um propose really any kind of answers to it either at least as far as uh i could tell um yeah uh we read um or i read uh upgrade soul that I brought to the podcast a while back that was proposing kind of the same thing about like identity and memory and like what makes a person a person. Uh, I love stuff like that. And also a very sci-fi comic book. 
about yeah. cloning and memory yeah. and stuff Actually, like that. Yeah, I should start that again. I should start that again. That was one of those that oh, I, man. I, I put down for no reason. I still have it. And I still have it. Um, yeah, definitely worth a read. Yeah, but yeah, Amnesia Moon. And then, uh, not that this video, especially by this time, will will need my help. I just need to talk about it. But at this sure. point, I think it has uh, 4.2 million views and was released over the weekend. But uh, the YouTuber, uh, H-Bomber Guy, better known as uh, Harry or Harry, you know, is this. Uh, oh, released... we're talking about the YouTube demonetization stuff? Or pl uh, plagiarism. Plagiarism, plagiarism. Yeah. yeah, I saw some people talking about this, but I haven't dug into it yet. Holy shit, man. It is. Yeah. Like, and if you and if you didn't watch his previous video where he investigates the uh, Minecraft oof uh, yeah, sound no, effect. I've, I've seen it. I've seen okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like it's like the same. I mean, I've loved his videos anyway for I've been a big fan for of his for yeah. a while. But like, my God, like it's holy shit. Like, like I just like, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. The, um, the story that unfolded, you know, and mm -hmm. I won't give any of it away. I think, I think everyone uh, should watch it. Um, but it's also like four hours long <clears throat> too, just a heads up. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I definitely watched it in chunks, like over the weekend, yeah. you know, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't sit down and like watch the whole thing though. I will say yesterday, uh, I had an hour left and, um, the Minnesota Vikings are on a bye week this week. So when I was watching football, I was like, I'll only have an hour left of this. And yeah, most of these games kind of suck right now. Anyway, all right, I'm going to put this on mute, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but big recommendation. Amnesia Moon, Jonathan uh, Lethem, check it out. And, and again, I think that like, if, if, if you're trying to get back into reading uh, prose, I think uh, science fiction is probably a pretty good avenue to do that because you can find a lot of like really engaging, fun stories in there. Oh that yeah, aren't, yeah. That, that that aren't some sort of like you know you don't always need to start off with like the brothers Karamazov or something like you don't need to impress anybody like it's okay. Sure. You, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but Amnesia Moon and for the love of God, I just want more people that I know personally to have watched the video so I can talk more about it of the so H -bomber does he get into uh, plagiarism on YouTube that's happening amongst YouTubers like people plagiarizing each other is that what's going on uh, it's people plagiarizing each other and also uh, uh, other writers and sources you know uh, books oh, okay. and uh, articles a, a lot of it too he focuses on how uh, and he brings up like a really good point that um, that people who plagiarize and also sort of like is he pointed out that some of the people he used as examples of, of, of plagiarists that um, a lot of them think in this, like they're like people with business degrees, you know? And so sure. like, they sort of like look down on creative people because to them, it's just like, it's just a product. Right. And right. so they don't have like the serial plagiarists, like, don't have any kind of respect, not only for the person they're stealing from, but for the thing that it's doing, because to them, it's worthless to them. Like, and someone else brought up, I think on Twitter that like, that's what these like AI, uh, bros fucking think of oh, like, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. Cause like to them, like the, the thing that you're doing is only a product and it's not actually worth anything and any work you put in it is silly, you know? Yeah, and like, yeah. you should like, you should feel good that I'm just like, to, Oh, so who cares that I'm taking it from you? It's not like you really did anything with it. Like, you know, it's yeah. just, which I thought was like a, a, a really, a really good point. I had never, never thought about, um, never thought about it that way before. Honestly, I never thought about, uh, how, how, just how fucked up, that kind of thing is, you know. Sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, they should really teach um, art should be mandatory, and especially art history should be mandatory for high school kids. Oh like, yeah. Because I feel like there's such a focus on like STEM and then sports in high school yeah. that we're seeing now in our society. 
or at least it feels this way for me. We're seeing a lot of people who are like smart people in STEM or or whatever who just have do not know how to interact with art at all. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's paintings, whether it's uh, movies, whether it's whatever, they don't understand like they don't understand just making a thing. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is because um, I don't I don't think there's enough focus in in any sort of like STEM education on the actual like act of creating, right? Because like being like like if I'm like a, a if I'm working in a, a biology lab, right? Mm-hmm. Like most of the procedures that I'm going to be doing day to day are already like they're they're already made for me. Right. And like right. that's you're like following like, a protocol. Yeah. But there are times where you have to make a new protocol. Right. And so mm-hmm. that that's when you have to get into the business of. In terms of being a scientist where you're you're having to be creative and you're having to iterate and reiterate and try things just add fucking nauseam until you find the right goddamn thing, you know. Right. Um, but I don't think enough. Of them uh, do that, like they don't get to that yeah. point. And the yeah. training, I don't think, ever prepares them for that because the kind of people who like actually like make the protocols are typically the ones in charge and the ones who've been doing it for a while, you know? Sure. And and so like I think that like too too often uh someone will like go to school, let's say, for like computer science, right? But it's like you're you're not most of those people aren't like making new programming languages themselves you know like they're 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 engineers like a lot of them are engineers like they're they're following these preset things and there's not to say that there's not any creativity in engineering you know uh but it's just that you know a lot a lot of people don't usually find themselves in a position to have to be creative at least in their professional lives and so i think that they look at uh an artist and they think that like it's just a process that they're following, you know, right, right? Just like they are. It's like, oh well, I got taught this. You got taught something else. We're both just following a process it's here. The, it's, it's the same. Uh, it's the same kind of thing when uh, somebody uh, starts doing art, and they're like, they're like, hey man, what brush do you use? As if that like that's gonna unlock. Yeah. Like, oh, now you're using the good brush. You're doing good work. It's like no, it's just time in the chair. It's just you being like creative with yourself as you sit in the chair and then yeah. that gets better and better and better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that like, and someone else had pointed this out too, but like, you know, like one of the reasons why, like, at least like in terms of like, you know, people being exploited for it will suck and people's uh, uh, hard work being stolen sucks. But like, I'm not afraid of AI art, you know, because no, it's, it's bad. It's pretty and it's, bad. And it's and it's also it's not going to do anything new ever. Well, and, and it's not going to do anything interesting because I, I forget where I saw someone point this out. But like you're never going to have um, a machine give you a creative mistake, you know, like yeah. guitar, like guitar distortion is because an amp broke at some point. It broke. <laughs> and then a human heard the sound though and was like, hey, that sounds pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Or or like yeah. famously the um the kind of signature sort of like feedback whine that's on a lot of uh Siamese Dream, Smashing yeah. Pumpkin Siamese Dream, is because like their old equipment when they were very first starting out, like their guitars were so shitty that Jimmy Corrigan and James Eha, like anytime they weren't playing it, it would go and just like feedback, you know? <laughs> and so because their equipment couldn't not do that, they were like, well, we might as well incorporate this in some place, yeah. you know? And it's like, right. yeah, you're not going to get that by like punching it into fucking mid journey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like as, as a complete, as a complete aside. Mm. Have you seen that clip of Jimmy Corrigan eating chips on stage? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's like they're they're at a performance, they're performing and like there's a guitar solo happening and he just kind of like walks into the back and opens up a bag of chips and starts eating chips. Or I'm sorry, I was like, 
Billy Corgan. We both Billy said Corgan. Jimmy. We both said Jimmy Corgan, which is Chris Smartest Ware's boy on earth. Uh, yeah, yeah, which is Acme Novelty <laughs> Library. Yeah, we're, Billy, we're, Billy, we're, not Jimmy. <laughs> ah, these fucking nerds, man. I'm gonna have to give oh, myself man. a wedgie. <laughs> so what, what what are you reading? So I have a, a rant about television, and um, my mother was here for Thanksgiving, and so while we took a lot of time off, uh, I didn't have a lot of time to read stuff, but manga reads pretty quickly, so mm. I read some manga. I read uh, Dan to Dan Volume 5 came out. Oh, um, shit. It's by uh, Yukinobo Tatsu. I, I think I got that right. Um, Dan Dan just got announced that it's going to have an anime. So a trailer dropped for that. The trailer looks fucking bonkers. Uh, it looks so good. There's a lot of just like amazing movement that happens within Dan Dan that the trailer I was like, I don't know. How, I, I don't know if they're going to animate it well, you know, because in comics, like the in-between panels that you're animating in your mind are always going to be better than the animation that somebody else makes, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, and this book is just so dynamic and interesting that I was like, I don't know how they're going to do this, but the trailer was really great. And I was like, eh, maybe they could do this. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Re- real quick recap. What's Dan to Dan about again? Dan to Dan is about um, a high school nerd who is super into uh, cryptids and a girl who's like uh, cute that he kind of likes, who's super into aliens. And she's like, she's like cryptids aren't real. And uh, or it might be flipped. I can't remember. But <laughs> basically, she's like cryptids aren't real. And he's like aliens aren't real. And then they swap. I think it, I think it might be swapped. Anyway, there's a lot of swapping happening. Anyway, the point is, is that like, one thinks that the other thing isn't real. And then so they're like, OK, you go to this haunted location and you go to this UFO hotspot and then we'll see what's up. And they but like one gets possessed by a, uh, a, a kaiju or not a kaiju. One gets possessed by um, a yokai uh, who's like turbo granny. She's like <laughs> a, 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 a grandmother that runs really fast, but then they manage yeah. to separate her power from herself and they put her into one of those like lucky cats. So like, oh, so like that cat kind cat. of wanders around and like is surly and mean to everybody, but doesn't have any actual power. And uh, and then she gets uh, abducted by aliens and uh, her like latent psychic powers come out because of it. And so like they they fight aliens, they fight cryptids. Uh, so if you're into aliens and cryptids, like every volume has some sort of fight with some riff on either, you know, aliens or cryptids or whatever. Like they fought Nessie in an issue. They fought <laughs> uh, in the fifth one. They fight um, uh, Mongolian death worm cryptid. Uh, it's and it's all very, very good. And it's it's through the lens of manga. So it's it's um, has a Japanese flair to it, which like when I watch a lot of cryptid stuff, because I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're all about it. It it has a kind of like I don't know how to describe it. There's an American style to making like a documentary about a ghost or like yeah. a documentary about a cryptid or whatever, and this basically takes all that and is like, hey, what if we just like move quick and break things you know and it's like yeah 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 let's go you know i i it, all the designs are fucking insane like they're all just like and i can't tell if this is because i haven't read a lot of manga in my lifetime but i when i'm reading dan to dan it feels like somebody who is very much not me making a comic book which i appreciate because it's like it's new it's exciting the character designs are wild. It's stuff I would have never thought of. And it like bends my brain to another place, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, one of my favorite things, I think especially about like Japanese comics in particular, is that there's such a like, there's such a like dense history to it. 
you know? And so yeah. whenever I read a, a, a manga, there's like, I'm, I'm almost positive every time there's some sort of like artistic reference that like, if I grew up in Japan and was reading sure, it, you would, you I'd would like, pick up on this. But yeah, it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know what? It's like, it's like how a while back in the main, um, in, in the, the, the main episode feed, how we talk about how ever since like sometimes like an artist like Kelly Jones will like draw a dead man. And then like forever, that's just like, that's how you draw a dead man now, you know? Right. And, and I'm sure there's probably like references like that with like someone drawing a character in a certain way where someone's like, sure. oh, he's, you know, he's doing that or he's doing like he's, that. He's referencing this obscure thing that like never left Japan and like, yeah. and like, I don't know what it is. And so it's just completely, I'm just stranger in a strange land with these yeah. books. Yeah, yeah. And uh, even and, and even just styles too and like ways of pacing and like ways of yeah. like showing action yeah. that like. Um, well, and you know, like you said, like, I, I think you probably have a bit more of, of knowledge of, uh, of Japanese comics than you give yourself credit for. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not like as Maybe. well-versed as I, as I would want to be. I mean, same with like European comics, but like, I'm, I think a bit more probably than like your average, like just like American. Maybe more than your average uh, comic reader, but I mean, there are people who really dive into it. And, oh yeah, there there are uh, people who like yeah. eat and breathe and like live all of this stuff, which yeah, love yeah. them. But I just, I I got I, need I got variety. my other, yeah, I I need my snooty dawn and drawn and quarterly stuff. Okay, so uh, while they're trying to fight this Mongolian death worm, uh, they also have this like triangle happening where like. So the the main character, he's uh, trying to impress Miss Elise uh, and like kind of he's like kind of romantically involved with her, but he's like trying to figure it out. And, you know, they're high school kids, so, you know, they don't really know how to share their feelings and they're kind of like stumbling in the dark. And then this book features um, a character from her past that comes to visit who's like this super athletic sporty dude and the nerd kids like what the fuck you know like, <laughs> and he's like super charming and but they like they kind of get along and he's like all right and and uh his house is haunted and you know there's a secret room and there's a fucking killer family and they're burying houses it's crazy jason the book is crazy i every single time i pick it up i'm like I always I'm always waiting for it to calm down and it <laughs> never does. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. In, in the best in the best way. Like I'm always having a good time with this thing. Uh, the other week I was watching um, a, a Fellini movie and, you know, and it's Fellini. So he's weird anyway. Like mm -hmm. he's just a weird guy. But there is something there's a particular like. Whenever I watch like an Italian film, like especially like a Fellini or like even like Dario Argento, like, you know, which is like mm -hmm. polar opposite of style. Uh, but there's like this great sort of like, I was thinking about it, this great kind of um, uh, uh, weirdness that is unto the culture itself that they're from, you know, there's yeah. there's this like that you're just never going to that I can't that I I'm not smart enough to really put my finger on or articulate it that well. but like. There's just something very, like, obviously Italian about it because the man is is Italian, sure. right? Yeah. And of, and like same thing with like uh, this is something I love about, uh, like Japanese movies or books or you know from from any country really of like when right. as, as, especially when they get weird, you know yeah when they get to when they get to make art yeah yeah because there's that particular kind of like, you know, um. Like, listen, like Japanese speed metal is it's it's speed metal. It's just, it's super fast, like lots of solos. But man, sometimes they get really wild with it. And I'm like, fuck yeah, yeah Japanese speed metal. You know, like there's just something. Uh, yeah, like I said, I can't I can't put my finger on it, but I do love that kind of like like you said, like you, you wait for it to calm down. It's like, no, 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 this is manga, baby. Manga doesn't yeah, have right, to calm exactly. down if it doesn't want exactly. to. You know, like it just, it just, it can just, it just keeps uh, I, 
keeps going, you know? Speaking of manga, DC put out a couple of uh, manga titles, and I picked them both up. I found myself in a Target buying a pan that we needed for Thanksgiving, and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to check out their comics. And so I picked up Superman Meshi, which is a manga. Uh, it's uh, written and drawn by uh, Satoshi... I'm not, Jason and I apologize for, for butchering these names. I'm going to do the best I can. Satoshi Mayogawa and Kai Kitago. It is Superman uh, has to deal with uh, Steppenwolf shows up in Japan and starts harassing people in a parking lot. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Superman flies in and kicks his ass. And then in doing so, he saves this noodle truck, right? And so the guy, the noodle truck guy is like, he's like, I only have leftovers, but here, take this. And, and so Superman tries it and he is like, oh my God, he's like, <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever tasted. So it's seven stories about Superman, like basically trying to get the hell out of the Daily Planet so that he can fly to Japan and like eat wonderful dishes in various places <laughs> oh god that's amazing and it's that's like a- he goes to like a convenience store in japan and he's like this is amazing and he's like stranger in a strange land experiencing it for the first time loving every minute of it it's beautifully drawn with like all these like food stuffs but it's it's don't get me wrong it is not about him fighting steppenwolf it is about Superman sitting down and describing the food he's eating. That's what this book is about. So it's a Superman story, but like the uh, there's this wonderful uh, classic uh, Japanese movie called Tampopo that uh, centers around uh, a, a noodle shop. And it's like revitalization of this like small oh, local I, noodle shop. I remember wanting to see that. Oh, it, dude, it's so it's it's on the Criterion channel. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it is. It is so good. I love that movie so much, but the movie is a it's it's such a literal fucking love letter to food and specifically yeah, yeah. obviously to to Japanese like food. It's it is so like lovingly so like, like it's I I love that shit. I love that shit. He he Superman at one point laments the fact that he can't bring Lois to Japan because to try this food with him because he doesn't want to like risk his secret identity. He, uh, Batman notices that he's eating a lot of Japanese food. So he brings him to like the best Japanese restaurant in Gotham. And then Superman's like, no, 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 this is bullshit. And then he like, <laughs> he like basically grabs Batman and flies to Japan. <laughs> I, I, I love how it, it turned, uh, uh, Superman into a, a food snob. Oh man, he starts taking like Instagram pics of his food. He sets up like, <laughs> yeah, like it's Jason. It's such a, if you're, if you're into this kind of stuff and it's, he like, he'll like try a piece of food and he'll love it so much. His heat vision will activate, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's just such a wild, unique take on a character that like, you know, I've been reading stories about my entire life. It's, existed since the fucking 40s you know and this is like something that is wholly original and so i believe that it it deserves merit for that oh Um, yeah and what a great random pickup too yeah uh, so it's marked as volume one i don't know (laughs) how many volumes we're gonna get of superman eating food he's like there's a part where he's like eating it's like a variety bowl over rice and he's like which part would would be the justice league like like uh uh wonder woman would be the shrimp you know like and batman would be this and he's like going on and on uh it's it's just very fun uh like i said seven stories they're all like forgive the pun a little a little (laughs) bite-sized adventure of superman you know what though i want I now want there. To, I want this series because you said it was volume one. I want it to be like as long as Lone Wolf and Cub. Okay. I yeah, want right. Like, like 45 just, just let it books run. Of, yeah, just and, let it run. 
and never change it. It's just about Superman loving food. Yeah, you can you can always each volume begins with Superman ending up somewhere chasing a villain, but the villains quickly dispatched and then he just goes insane about the food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Um, the other manga that DC put out when they were trying to, like, try this out is called uh, Joker, One Operation Joker. <laughs> um, it is by Satoshi Miyagawa again and uh, drawn by uh, Kitsuke uh, Gato. So this book is drawn a little better than Superman. If you're looking for pure artistic value, I would say the Joker books a little bit better. Um, this book is about Joker's fighting Batman in some chemical plant, of course. And Joker ends up in a and, chemical and plant. The thing about this book, these manga as well, is that like. They're doing something that American comics don't do that much anymore, which is like give you word or thought balloons. So mm, like, yeah, so it puts you in the head of the Joker and the way that it's written, it's not this like chaotic thing that you that you would imagine the mind of the Joker to be like. There's moments where he's like worried about his footing while he's fighting Batman and stuff like that, like it's it's it really tries to like put you into the practicality of like, yes, you're the Joker. Yes, you're insane. But also you are a person existing in the world. Kind yeah, of you thing, have these other which I, these other things to think about. Yeah. Yeah. Which which I actually thought was like a pretty interesting take, because usually people just go like full insano whenever they write the Joker. Yeah. Um, so he fights Batman. Batman, uh, a railing breaks over a vat of chemicals. Batman falls in. And Joker's like, you know, Joker needs Batman because how else will he illustrate that that justice is is like a construct that should be torn down, that it's fake, that it's for the wealthy, you know, fuck this shit like anarchy rules. How can he prove that if without Batman being there, you know? Yeah. So fishes him out of the out of the pot of chemicals and uh, turns out Batman's a baby now. So he's like, oh, shit, Batman's a baby. And then he's like, I got to raise this child because like because like he's like, you know, I he, he's in a, a relationship with Batman and he needs Batman. So he's like, he's like, oh, damn, I got to raise, raise this bat child. And so it's about like the Joker trying to get like. Little Batman into like. uh into like preschool and his like henchmen's like helping him out. But he's like, cause he's like raised a kid, a couple kids and abandoned them at some point. So he's like, Oh, I'll walk you through what to do. And like, and, and it, like raised and abandoned children. So he's the yeah. most qualified parent within reach. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, uh, it's a great gag. And like, that's a really good gag. There's a good bit in it where like the Joker like the kids running him ragged and the the uh, goon shows up and the Joker's not in his makeup like he's he's got white skin, but he's and green hair, but he's not in his makeup. And he's like, he, the goons kind of like, well, are you the Joker? He's like, you kind of can't tell. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this kid's running me ragged. Like, <laughs> I just need a minute to myself to put on my face, you know? <laughs> He's just he's just the he's just the, like, yeah, the, the the beleaguered parent who like hasn't showered and barely slept in right. three days. Like he like, goes he goes and gets diapers, but he buys the wrong size because he doesn't know that they come in different sizes and he's frustrated and he's like Gotham will burn for this. You know, like <laughs> it's it's uh, a genuinely uh, great read, especially if you're a parent. I'm not a parent, but like uh, I can imagine if I was. This yeah, would be probably hit pretty close to home. Yeah, be, a lot it'd of be things. Pretty funny. What a great, what man, what a great fucking idea too. What, what just like a yeah. very fun, silly idea, and then just to like totally run with it, like. So man. yeah, I wanted I wanted to push these books because uh, it's DC trying something kind of interesting. They're trying to get into the manga market, and whether they stay there, whether they make 
a bunch of these or if these are the only volumes that come out i think it's worth picking up yeah fuck yeah yeah that sounds i i, I gotta try to let's see if they're on the app i think I they are on the app because i remember reading the first chapters of both of these books um digitally and then when i saw them in target i was like oh hell yeah let's go okay so yeah 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 i think you can get them on the app um don't read Superman Meshy while you're hungry. That's that's my piece of advice to you. Uh, the other thing is, Jason, I've yes. started like kind of thinking about television a lot, just like the scope of television and what television is now. Shannon's watching True Blood, so I've been catching a couple episodes of that. And then we're also watching Supernatural. And this is going to make sense in a little while, but. Let me back up a little bit. <laughs> there used to be the way TV was in like the 50s, 60s. It was like you got a pure ep, like an episode that was totally in isolation. Like you would have, uh, you know, the status quo would be reestablished by the end. And then if you missed an episode, it wasn't a big deal because you already knew what was going to happen. Or like, you know, it's like... Um, the A team, they're like, go to the next town, yeah. they solve a problem. They go to the next town, they solve a problem. Yeah. Or like sitcoms like Cheers, Dick Van Dyke, Honeymooners, Jefferson's, Family Matters, Friends, Office, Parks and Recreation. It's like you always kind like some things might change a little bit, but you always know that like the office is going to be about being in the office, you know? Yeah, yeah, you might you might have a two episode season finale thing or like, you know, sure, the last uh, three uh, episodes are like some bigger story that they want to end the season with. But, mostly yeah. you could just like hit shuffle and then like play whatever and you'd be good to go. Yeah. And a lot of stuff was like this, uh, you know, 18, six million dollar man, uh, Batman, the animated series is like this Dragnet, yeah. 70s, Incredible Hulk, you know, original flavor, Law and Order. Yeah, yeah. Uh early star trek uh mash is like this uh, and then like skits shows are like this too snl twilight zone carol burnett show stuff like that yeah kids and in the hall kids in the hall so there's that type of television that's being made and then on the other side of that on the, the flip side is soap operas that are running and soap operas are structured to be just basically one run-on sentence that you yeah. are like constantly tuning into to see like what's going to happen to these characters, you know? Yeah. And they put these characters in progressively like weirder situations or like quirky times. They give a little fan service or whatever. And they usually have the same villain throughout the entire thing or season to season might change or whatever. Yeah. You know, villains re reoccur and reappear. People yeah, don't stay yeah. dead forever. Soap operas are a right. lot like comic books. Yes, yes. So, for a long time, like, that was television. And then there was, like, this genre that started happening where it kind of, like, blended these two things. And I think that it started happening because, you know, uh, VHS came around in the 70s and then suddenly every, every home in the 80s had one, so if you wanted to watch an episode, you could catch it, you know? Like, yeah. if you, even if you were out, program your VCR, you could catch it. So we start seeing things um, like these blended apps where you get a villain for a season or an entire show, but it's like a genre drama. It's just, this is kind of what I think comic books mostly are, where it's like, you know, you get a lot of uh, uh, recursion. Stuff like... Um, Dark Shadows in 66 is like a gar goth horror uh, soap opera. Um, Buffy, X-Files, Supernatural, Twin Peaks, Gilmore Girls, stuff like this, where it's like you get a progressing plot every episode, but it's still kind of an episode in there. You know what I mean? Like there's still a, a beginning, middle and end. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. A lot of prestige TV lives in here. Um, Sex in the City, Sopranos, Six Feet Under the Wire, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But what I noticed was I've been watching TV for a, a long time. 
a long time. I've been subscribed to streaming services for a long time. And yeah. I've I've been watching less and less movies. And I think streaming services took movies from me. Yeah. I think that what happened was around like the mid 2000s, maybe late 2000s, they started to realize that like, well, we can make one thing, drag it out for, you know, 20 episodes and people will stay and watch. Or we can make one thing for two hours for a movie and then we got to make another thing because we got to keep people engaged in the app. Yeah, because only so many people are going to rewatch the movie again and again and again. Right, exactly. You know, but like if we can hook them in, then like maybe we can we can get them to keep like watching in, in this one kind of run on sentence. And so these things kind of like blended together. And like, I wouldn't say that, like, you know, the wire, I don't think leans into soap opera, but like True Blood does. Hmm. Like, and, and I was watching True Blood and I was like, this is hot garbage, but people were like obsessed with it when it was oh, released. Yeah. It, it well, was a phenomenon. Well, it's just like, and, and to be fair to these shows, cause I've never watched any of them and I truly don't mean to, to disparage them, but like any of the, like, of like the CW shows that have like those rabid fan bases or like pretty little liars or, um, yeah, I was going to say or, Riverdale. Yeah, any of the 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 uh, the DC shows that have the yeah. um, like Green, Green Arrow was like like to me it always yeah. just looked like what what in my head I just kind of called like higher production value soap opera, you know. So this is the thing. I think that there's a, alongside prestige television, like there's a thing that happened where executives realized that if they made them more like soap operas and less structured then like they could hook you in for a long haul and then fans got hooked in like people got hooked into true blood people made fanfic of true blood and then yeah. i feel like this has been iterized and iterized and iterized to the point where it's been like a weaponized thing of like we're gonna hook you in and we're gonna try to keep you and you're gonna feel like you have like sunk cost or you'd like a certain character and you want to see what's going to happen next but it never really pays off in a meaningful way this like fanfic written thing and like true blood i feel like is that way uh riverdale is that way and i i really like riverdale i think riverdale's yeah. a cool show yeah. uh but like it's it's like these shows got slick production value and i feel like along the way they tricked me into thinking that they're prestige tv somewhere along the way the shield tried to sell itself to me as the wire and it's not it's, it's definitely not, not. I, I do like the sh I, I i do think the the shield though has like i i do want to rewatch it again because especially that brutal ass ending but like the the, the shield specifically i think is like you know, actually, no, I, I do think it's a pretty good example because like it's it's something that people love aping the style of and because of like the success that it had. But yeah. like, I don't think that like I think a lot of times what people lost in the shield was that like or at least the things they were inspired by, which um, um, Kurt Sutter, who's the guy who went on, he used to write for the shield and he's the guy who went on to create uh, Sons of Anarchy. Mm -hmm. Um which is like, and it seems like he only really seemed to understand kind of like the superficial level of, of the shield. And it's right. just like, and it's just like, well, no, in the shield, at least like it's over the topness was supposed to be like, no, this is what these people are really like. This is what the cops are yeah, really like. Right. They, they are right. this brutal. They are but it, this, you know, like, but that it's kind an exaggeration. Of, it, yeah. It's uh, not as sophisticated as the wire, you know, no, like, no. Like the wire is prestige television and the shield is like a dramatization of what people think cops are kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and like, you know, it's kind of like what we were saying before. It's like everything with with, with movies. It's like, yeah, Jackie Chan movies in the in the Criterion collection. Like, of course, because like the, yeah. their movies. Yeah, yeah. Too. I'm, not, I'm yeah, not, not to say it doesn't have its place. Look, straight up, like I, I rattle off a lot of shows. Like I, there is no judgment happening here. I'm just like, this is me realizing that like, 
there's been this concerned effort by streaming services to create this kind of like fanfic television that looks like prestige TV to hook you in. And then what it does is, is it, it gives you drama between characters and it like is aware of how people are talking about television and then wants to not only hook you in, but plug you into a fandom that is going to constantly talk about it. Yeah. And, and they have like over the course of like the last 10 or 15 years, absolutely weaponized this. And oh, yeah. Jason, I feel like I've been watching this over and over and over and over again. And I'm only now just starting to be like, Hey, wait a minute. Like, I'm sure smarter people than me have figured this out already, but like the MCU, for example, I feel like is like this. Star oh, yeah. Wars is like this now. Okay, let's circle back to Supernatural because I mm. feel like Supernatural is a perfect show to illustrate this. So Supernatural, the creator, did five seasons and he was out. Like, I think the first five seasons of Supernatural is prestige television. Mm. Then... That's a they hot do take. another five. It's a hot take. Then they do another five seasons where they try to do villain of the week, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Right. And then th- those they, are fun. Those are fun. And then they realize that like what the fans want is like heartfelt moments between like Dean and Castiel and like all these characters like pinball and red. They want to bring some characters back. We're oh, we're the sheriff that they saved is is back in this episode and like we're gonna see what happened to them and like it's the show in the last five seasons and i haven't i haven't finished supernatural in the last couple seasons but i'm up we're up to season 10 right now and i'm realizing that they're shifting away from like it's no longer a show about like a vamp attack it's it's a show about like damn the vamp attack is secondary to like the bromance that's happening on on stage for the fanfic for the fans who are like engaging with it and like yeah. that's what they like you know yeah yeah no i i can't i can't get like like i left behind i i only saw when it came out i only saw rise of skywalker i knew it was going to suck i liked the last jedi i only saw rise yeah. of skywalker to like finish the story and, sure. um, you know, it was awful as it is, um, but I it's, just it's like, another hot take. <laughs> really? It's not, I, th- I, thought I don't know. Man. Skywalker's I, pretty... I, didn't, I wouldn't call it awful. Um, this is, OK, this is OK. OK, this is part of a, a component of... back somehow. <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> okay, just straight right, up. All right, bad. All right. Look, 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 look. This is part of like the fanfic thing. Where it's like, it's more important to get a scene together than it is to create a cohesive narrative, like a structure to the thing. Like, the structure is secondary. The thing that you want is the juicy interaction between characters. And yeah, I think that that movie is that, you know, it's it's cool visuals. It's juicy interactions between characters and then structure. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out later. That kind of thing. Yeah, see, like, I don't, I don't, like, talk about it a lot because, like, I, I have a lot of friends who are, like, really into the, those kinds of shows. Like, they love those kinds of shows. Like, they love Andor. They love, like, The Mandalorian. Like, all these things. Yeah. And, and I'm sure I lo- they're... I love Andor and The Mandalorian. Like... I, I hear know, great like, things about them. But there's, there's a part of me that I look at it and no matter how many raving reviews I, I hear about Andor, I'm just like, it's Star Wars. I don't give a shit. I'm, I'm, I can find yeah. a story like Andor that is and, not Star Wars, and I'm just so okay. tired. Like I, we're I, dovetailing. I, we're dovetailing into my point, which is oh. this: that people are talking about superhero fatigue happening mm-hmm. right now with movies and shows and stuff like that. Yeah, fair. And what I think is happening is not necessarily superhero fatigue. I think it's fanfic fatigue. Mm. I think that like you can pull the superheroes out. And and like make a story that has like all these beats and less structure like people are making now. And it's designed to hook you in. It's designed to keep you. But like. 
I've never felt like really satisfied by a lot of the new television that I watch. And I'm realizing that they want eyeballs on their app and they don't give a shit about anything else. Yeah. And I've also kind of woken up to the fact that like, I haven't watched a lot of movies in like fucking 20 years because I got hooked in with the wire and to prestige television. And then I've been there ever since. Oh, and so, so I'm trying, Jason, I'm trying to break out. I'm trying to watch some, some movies. Finally, finally start watching some cinema. So anyway, Shannon and I watched uh, a Spider-Man movie, the, the new Miles Morales cartoon that was, uh, Oh yeah, the new, the sp- yeah, the Spider Verse. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love, I loved Into the Spider Verse. See, that's the thing. Yeah. That's that's my thing though. Is that like I think that like this has been brought up by other people, but I I I firmly agree with it. But it's sort of like there's there's a lot of like whatever people consider quote unquote prestige TV these days, however you define that, where it's like it could have been an email. Okay, it's like a <laughs> lot of those things were obviously like movie scripts. That they then yeah. stretch yeah. the hell out. And it's just like, listen, man, not every the story Obi-Wan show needs eight hours. Transparently, transparently, the Obi-Wan show was a movie turned into an eight-hour series. Uh, buddy of ours, Ziggy, he's like, I can't watch this. He's like, yeah. it, the episodes make no sense. Like, there's no beginning, middle, and end. It's like an eight-hour movie. He's like, I just can't. And also, and also, though, what's so, like, I mean... I know why, because they want the most money that they can get, like squeeze out of it. But like, that just made me think of like, remember how like Disney used to like have straight to VHS releases, sequels of like Aladdin and of like all these. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, you can still make them. It's like, Hey Disney, you could have just still had a two to even three hour Obi-Wan movie and people would have gobbled it the fuck up. But like you said, they're not going to continuously over and over again, gobble it up. Right keep on talking about it, write fan fiction about it, like reference right. it again and again and again and again, and like go back to it again and again and again and again. If it's just, I, I think that a movie, this is, so I'm, I'm starting to realize this for myself at the same time that I'm like pushing back on social media a little bit and, uh, trying to get, uh, more creative myself and then also be conscious of, the technology and the uh, media that enters my home and that I consume. So I'm like, rather than just going with the flow, like I, I'm a very, you know, there's like a lot of ADD going on and like, I'm very easily influenced by people when people are like, Hey, this is good. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah. I'll check it out. You know, like whatever. <laughs> I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Uh, I'll, I'll watch anything. Um, and a lot of that stuff, what you read, Nick? Oh, just this bottle of Dr. Bronner's Castile soap. Hold on a minute. I'm getting to the best part about the uh, about the one god. Hold on, hold on. So I a lot of this stuff, like I love, like, like I said, I really like Riverdale, but I would put Riverdale into this fanfic kind of box. Yeah. It's not prestige t- television. It's not episodic television. It's not really a soap opera. It's this like fanfic weaponized eyeballs into the app thing and i'm starting to see it now a little bit a little bit clearer and i'm starting to see what they took from me jason (laughs) and i'm 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 ready to watch some cinema again if that still exists i i might have to pull go back to the 80s and 90s to find it but like it's out there man Fire up that, uh, the Criterion channel, you know, there's a Criterion yeah. channel. There's, yeah. I used to have a subscription to this great service called Mubi that has, uh, newer, uh, newer indie films. I couldn't quite get around to like using it enough to like justify keeping it. But yeah, no, yeah. it's, it, it's out there. And also the, just real quick though, like any, anybody like, you know, this is coming from two lifelong comic book nerds, right? Like I, so one of the reasons why I hate the term graphic novel never liked it, never will like it, is that I got over pretty quick when I was a kid, uh, right when Understanding Comics came out. I fucking, I still love Understanding Comics, but like for a while, it, it I was really defensive about comics as an art form. And then like at like a certain point in my early 20s, I was like, wait a minute, I don't fucking care. 
I don't need your yeah, goddamn yeah. approval. I don't need right. I don't need some fucking gallery to like to say that it's art or not. It's like, yeah, sure, fine. Roy Lichtenstein can like steal a bunch of shit and be this like yeah. great artist. And fuck him. I don't care. And like fuck anyone who thinks he's a great artist for doing that. Cause I don't need his shit. So it's like, you know what? If you want to write your fan fiction about Andor, about oh, Rise yeah. of Skywalker, go for it. The only go the only thing yeah. I would yeah, the only thing I would implore anybody to do with any of their fandom or something is don't give a shit if somebody thinks it's valid or not. Like if if you're getting enjoyment out of it and you love it, fuck everyone else. It doesn't have you don't need yeah. someone else to take it seriously for it you to matter. And- it doesn't and need to you, be justified. You don't yeah. need to fight on its behalf. Like you can yeah. just enjoy it. Just enjoy yeah. it. And and if you're and if you're feeling bad because someone else is making you feel bad because like they're calling you a child or something like that because you're like, I don't know, you're like a 30-year-old man and you're really into the owl house like cartoon. It's like, who gives a shit? If you if you yeah. like it, then you you like it and like you don't need to stop worrying about trying to justify the things that you like to other people to like seem like adult sure sure right you know yeah i'm because, not yeah i'm just talking about the landscape of television i'm not oh, no, passing no, no, no. judgment on any of this stuff no uh, no i don't i don't i don't think you were but like the mcu the movies are basically television episodes because they all connect and it's all about these characters like pinballing around together it's it's more about Tony Stark saying to Spider-Man, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards than it is about like creating a cohesive kind of thing. And that's not to say that it can't do that. It can do both. Yeah. Spider-Verse. Like, yeah, but it doesn't always. And I'm seeing more and more the deficiencies and the like trying to like glamour me into thinking that it's prestige television when it's just fucking not, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, because y- you know what we we talk about it with the with the uh, mainline bat bat books that like we sometimes sometimes give them breaks on the art or on the writing because you're just like it's like there's that churn, man. There's that deadline. You got to hit that deadline. Yep. It's like all right, the new yep. the, the 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 new MCU movie's got to come out. It's got to come out. All right, I know this is a hacky edit, but I got to edit it together and I got to get it right. You know, right sh- shipped and out there. So like it's that's kind of what happens in the churn as well. Even right. if you're trying to right. take this thing that isn't supposed to be super, you know, hoity toity or whatever, like, it, you, and you still want to make it good. But when you have like five fucking minutes to do it and then you have to go on to the next one, it's like, you're like, well, yeah. I got to eat. <laughs> yeah. Know? So at any rate, I hope to bring some movies to the podcast in the future because I'm like trying to shrug off my addiction to television in general. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do that up. Jason. Nick. Where can people find you? They can find me still at the honest to God, still surprisingly. I don't think Twitter can die. If Elon Musk can't hasn't killed Twitter by now. I don't know, man. I don't he's know like, if it can die. He's floating the idea of like where everybody has to pay a dollar to be part of Twitter. And I think that will kill it. Yeah, that's why he hasn't done it. Because <laughs> because he oh because he oh no, because he owes the Saudi royal family way too much money to to, oh, act, no. to completely kill yeah but anyway they can those find are, me those there those aren't people you want to be in in with <laughs> what are you talking about i've heard they're very nice people who've never uh dismembered <laughs> and royal, chopped up a uh, critical journalist family? before really yeah. i'm yeah. shocked yeah. i'm sh- the, really in the, the news <laughs> hey listen you know uh jamal el khashoggi uh, if you're hearing this um <laughs> you know i I was texting with him a while back. I haven't heard from him in a while. Or wait, or was Khashoggi the journalist they murdered? Anyway, the Saudis, <laughs> House of Saud, please don't murder me. Uh, this but took you a can turn. F- I just want your socials, Jason, for God's fucking sake. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find me at uh, King of Black Acid on Twitter. Also, uh, 
world's second finest. This world's second with the two on the on the Twitter machine. Still trying to get the blue sky up going. Uh, that they're so stingy with their with 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 their invites and multiple accounts. Yeah, you so got to we'll, make a you got to make a separate email address. It's a the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm over there on Blue Sky, uh, mostly on Discord though, because I like I said I'm pushing back from social media a little bit. Um, if you want to get in touch with me, Discord is the best way to do it. Uh, uh, my Discord link is at linktree.com/nickphil, so you can find all my links to everything up there. I will respond eventually on Twitter and Instagram and stuff, but it's just going to take me a little while since I don't use those platforms all that much anymore. Hell yeah! Thanks for listening. Well, thank you for listening.